Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear friends and dear brothers and sisters. I would like you please to turn with me to the final message on the book of 1 Corinthians. And we are going to look at the final verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning with verse 10 to verse 24. Hopefully you have the Word of God open. And I would like to read these verses for the benefit of us all. And these are the concluding remarks that Shaul Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 10. Paul continues to write and he says, Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come unto you, with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch and stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with love. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourself unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, and for Tunatus and Achicaius, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Yeshua, Hamashiach, the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, Maranatha. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all. In Christ Jesus, Amen. In Yeshua HaMashiach, Amen. That is the end of the whole letter that Shaul Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And here we have the final verses of the final chapter from verse 10 to verse 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Beloved brothers and sisters, as we are coming to the conclusion of this very interesting letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we have learned so much over the study of the book of 1 Corinthians, and we have been reminded throughout the study of 1 Corinthians that these Corinthian believers, according to chapter 1 and verse 2, were called saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, of Yeshua HaMashiach our Lord. Saints, redeemed people, set apart by the Lord, chosen in Christ, chosen in a Messiah before the foundation of the world. And yet we have also learned over the study of the book of 1 Corinthians that the Corinthians were not living out that which they were called to live like. In fact, they were a church, a local assembly, that sadly behaved in such a way that they could not be a testimony to those that are without, and they could not be an encouragement to those that belong to the Lord. Why? Because there was a series of problems with the Corinthian assembly which needed to be corrected and the apostle Shaul Paul is writing to them this long letter of 16 chapters and ministering to them that which the Lord have laid upon him for their corrective ministry. And as we are drawing now to the end of the book, let's not forget this, though it's it's not something that we like to be reminded of. But sadly, when we are not walking with the Lord, and it's applied to you and to me today, my dear brothers and sisters and dear friends, if we do not take side with the Lord against our own flesh and our own will, we will never be able to be a good testimony here in this world. The situation at Corinth was so sad that there were so many things that needed to be corrected. There was a division among the assemblies in the city of Corinth. And because of these divisions, they were not a good testimony whatsoever to the world around them. And Paul is writing this throughout this whole letter. But you notice that as he's closing this letter, he's closing this letter by reminding the Corinthians of those that served the Lord that they should have taken an example from. He will speak about Timothy. He will speak about Apollos. He will speak about the house of Stephanus. He will speak about Aquila and Priscilla. And he will speak about men and women from among the people of God who did give a good testimony to those that are without 
and were blessing as they were serving the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, among the people of God. And so although we have read of so much corrective ministry throughout the whole letter that Shaul wrote to the Corinthians, yet the conclusion is when he mentioning people who really served the Lord and were an example both to the Corinthians, both to other assemblies, and also to you and I today, they were an encouragement to Shaul Paul, and they were a blessing to the people of God, such as Timothy, Apollos, Stephanus and his family, Aquila and Priscilla, and more and more and more, as they are mentioned in other letters that Shaul Paul is writing to edify the people of God. Now, you notice that we did say that at the last chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Apostle Paul had mentioned in this final chapter the need to be wise about stewardship, about your service, your life here in this world for the Lord. And he mentioned three things in this final chapter. This last chapter deals with three areas of stewardship for the people of God. The Corinthians needed to hear from the Apostle Paul answers to their questions. And so they asked him this question when they sent to him a letter according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Paul said, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. They wrote him. They asked questions. And they sought to have an answer. So Paul answered them in this epistle to all the questions that they had. And even more, he testified concerning their conduct in their local assembly. So in this final chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he say now concerning the collection, and from here on, he dealt with three important areas in the life of God's people. It is stewardship. A steward is a servant. A servant is a person that is serving his master. You remember that the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, said to his disciples that they, you are my servants, and because you are my servants... I reveal to you things and you are called to serve. The servant is not greater than his master. And therefore the servants are to serve God and to serve God's people. And that's why Paul is emphasizing stewardship here. And in this whole 16th chapter, he speaks about the stewardship with respect to money. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Secondly, the stewardship with respect to opportunities into in service for the Lord. This is chapter 16, verses 5 to 9. And finally, this is the conclusion in this message, is the stewardship in relationship to people, to other brothers and sisters, to other individuals among the people of God. And how much help we need from the Lord to help us to know how to relate to each other. Many times, sadly, when believers fight and argue and, and divide 
it, it is not serving the Lord. It is not stewardship. It is a poor stewardship. And that's what happened in the, among the Corinthians, that they had all sort of poor uh, behavior with one another. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verse 10. For it hath been declared unto me of you, brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloris, that there are contentions among you. Verse 11. So, this is exactly why stewardship is very, very important. Humility, an attitude of submissiveness willing to take the second place and the third place and not to be seeking one own will at all time. It is so important to understand that. So after, in the first nine verses of First Corinthians chapter 16, Paul dealt with the stewardship of money and the stewardship of opportunities in service. Now he finally presents before the Corinthians the wonderful people who were stewards, who were servants of the Lord that served Him and served the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, among the assemblies. And so notice in verses 10 to 24, these are the final verses, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 10 to 24, Paul points to the stewardship of people who serve with the Apostle Paul. Paul, Shaul Paul, was the kind of a man that was always a friend-maker. He was always seeking to make friends with others. He always was a builder. He was a builder because it is essential to be a builder among the people of God. I have to read a verse that is found in the book of Exodus, where Moses is the one that received from God an instruction concerning the kind of a heart that a person ought to have if he or she are going to have a right attitude in service for the Lord. One must have the right kind of a heart, the right kind of an attitude. In fact, it is called a wise heart. In Hebrew, it says, Lev Chacham, Chacham Lev. And in Exodus 35 and verse 10, we read, and I would like you to listen to this verse, my dear friend. Exodus 35 and verse 10, Moses was writing to Israel and the Lord gave him this instruction. He said, And every wise-hearted among you, namely among Israel, shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. In other words, a wise-hearted, in Hebrew it says, Chacham Lev, not only Chacham Rosh, not only a wise head, a person that have wisdom in his head, but a wisdom in his heart is to love God, to love his people, and to seek to serve his people. Just as God created the world in grace, so the wise of heart is able to build up the sanctuary of God. Love builds up. A wise-hearted person simply means that his or her maturity, humility, and 
to have a right, ordered affection. Such heart of wisdom does not depend on how smart one is, uh, what sort of education one had, but a person such as this is a person that is emotionally comprehend a situation and willing to allow his heart to discern the situation and have a motive to build up for the kingdom of God. That's what we need so much with respect to the assembly of the believers in every local assembly at Corinth, but elsewhere, any local congregation, local kehila, local assembly, local group of believers need to have that wise-hearted heart. And that's why God said to Moses in verse 10, Every wise-hearted among you, among Israel, shall come and shall make all that the Lord has commanded. And the Lord commanded us to be builders, to edify the body of the Messiah, the body of Christ. So notice now, in these verses, how Shaul Paul is pointing to his uh, servants that were, we can say, along with uh, Moses' words to the nation of Israel, a wise-hearted person, chacham lev, is wisdom that is in the heart that comes from God, in love for God's people, in love for the Lord's work and the Lord's people. So he began in verses 10 and 11, to speak about Timothy. He worketh the work of the Lord. Notice that. A few things the Apostle Paul is mentioning about Timothy, and he says in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10, he mentioning about Timothy. He says, Now if Timothy come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Verse 11, Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in shalom, in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Paul loved Timothy. He was used by the Lord to lead Timothy to come to know Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, as his Messiah, Lord, and Savior. And therefore, notice he's mentioning a few things about Timothy in verses 10 and 11. Number one, we learn about Timothy, that Timothy had a godly home. We learn it from Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 concerning Timothy. And Paul mentioning here, when Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. So apparently, Timothy came from a home of believing home, a Jewish mother and non-Jewish father, a Greek father. And apparently, Timothy, we read about his grandmother and his mother in Second Timothy chapter 1, and I want to read this for you in verse 5. When I call to remembers their unfeigned faith, that is in thee, Paul said to Timothy, which dwelleth in thy grandmother Lois, and in thy mother Eunuch, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Apparently, Timothy came from a godly grandmother and, uh, and mother, and he, according to the book of Timothy, Paul called him in First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he called him my son. 
Timothy was the son in the faith of Shaul Paul, and Timothy came from a godly home. He was called a son, but his calling was called to assist Shaul Paul in the ministry. That's why Paul is mentioning here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and he's giving an instruction to the Corinthian to receive him, and that when they receive him, that they will receive him in such a way that he will, will have not, no fear, not to be afraid among them, and simply to minister unto the saints there at Corinth. So, if Timothy is, if he will come, see that he may be with you without fear. Apparently, Timothy was timid, so he's encouraging the Corinthians to receive him, that he will be with them without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord even or even or as I also do. So Paul did the work of the Lord, and he looks at Timothy, he says, Timothy did the work of the Lord. Apparently, Timothy has served the Lord, and therefore Paul encouraging the Corinthian to receive him, and not only to receive him, also that he will have no fear among them, that he will be appreciated and recognized and to be without fear in the midst of them. And also, let no man therefore despise him, verse 11, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. So apparently what Paul asked the Corinthian to do, to receive Timothy and ultimately to send him away in peace, in shalom, that he will sense their love and their care for them. According to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, we read about Timothy, Let no man despise thy youth, Paul said to Timothy. In other words, he says, But be thou an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Timothy, don't allow anyone to despise you, to despise your youth, but be an example to the believers as you minister the word, as you walk among them in your behavior, in your love towards them, in having a proper attitude, and then also in your faith and in your pure life as you live for the Lord as an example to the believers. So notice that Paul is mentioning Timothy to encourage the believers at Corinth that when Timothy will come that they will receive him and treat him well and be and allow him to be used in their midst. Because Timothy, notice, he is serving the Lord just like the apostle Shaul Paul. For he worketh the work of the Lord. Wonderful commendation about Timothy from the Apostle Shaul Paul as he writes to the Corinthians. Secondly, you notice this whole portion is dealing with people. He is dealing with people and it is important for us to learn how to deal with one another, with people. So he mentioned Timothy as Paul used to serve with Timothy together. He must have sent him to minister elsewhere. And now Timothy was going to come through coins and then he wanted the Corinthians to send him to him because Paul was waiting for Timothy to come to be with him and with the brethren. Then in verses 12, 13, and 14, he is now speaking about another man. 
And he's speaking about Apollos. And Apollos, Paul desired him to come unto himself. Paul apparently was blessed by Apollos. And so we read in verse 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. And then he continued to mention there in verse 13 and 14, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with love. So in verses 12 and 13 and 14, he, speaking about Apollos, he wanted that Apollos will come to the Corinthians and encourage them, but Apollos apparently did not see it fit to come now. He had the Lord led him to do something else and to go elsewhere. So in verses 12, 13, and 14, we find out that Apollos wanted to come, but uh, his will was not to come at that time. And so he will come when he will have a convenient time, whenever it will be suitable for him to come. But in the meanwhile, notice what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, and he's giving them, beloved brothers and sisters, some uh, instructions concerning to continue on and to live their life in such a way, some that uh, were attached to him. So Paul is mentioning here, he will come later on, but in the meanwhile, don't be discouraged. And he gives them some instruction in verses 13 and 14. Number one, watch. Another would be awake. Don't fall asleep. Be awake spiritually. Number two, stand fast. The word for stand fast is that continue on steadfastly. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Continue on to stand fast in the things of the Lord. And then he tells them in in the same verses there, in verse 13, he says, Stand fast in the faith, and then quit you like men. I mean, act like, not like children, like mature men. Don't behave as children. Like he mentioned this already in First Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 and so on and 3, how they were behaving like children, really like children. They were fighting with one another. That's why he told them that he... He cannot give them meat. He has to give them, he says, you are carnal. He says, I cannot feed you with meat. I have to feed you with milk. And, and I, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babies in Christ, babies in the Messiah. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Why? For hitherto you were unable, you were not able to hear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. So Paul is saying to them in verses 13 and 14, he's saying to the believers at Corinth, he says, watch, in other words, be aware, stand fast in the faith, continue on faithfully, stand fast in the faith. And then he said, act like a mature people act like mature men and not immature child and also at the end of verse 13 he said 
and be strong. Can you remember in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, Paul said to the Ephesians. Here he is saying to the Corinthians, Be strong. This is not physically strong, but spiritually strong. Be strong. Continue on. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Stop to be children. Be like men and be strong. And then in verse 14, he continues there and he's telling them, Let all your things be done with love. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is exactly what Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love. And there he's mentioning that uh, love is so important for the believers to practice. Love suffer long. Love is kind. Love envious not. Love does not want its own will. Love does not puff up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. Love seeketh not her own. And love is not easily provoked. And love does not think evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity. But love rejoices in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hope for all things, and doeth all things. Love never fail. And so in First Corinthians 16 verse 14, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to let all things be done in love. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul said, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one dieth for all, then we're all dead. In other words, he says, for the love of the Messiah is constraining us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we all uh, positionally are dead with him. We identify with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Therefore, he gives them this instruction in verses 12, 13, and 14. Apollos, he desired to come to you, but not yet. He has other plans. But he's planning to come to you. But until he is coming to you, apparently they were attached to Apollos. Until he is going to arrive to you, you watch, you stand fast, you quit to be like children, be like men, be strong in the Lord, and let your things, whatever you do, be done in love one towards another. Beautiful encouragement the Apostle Paul provides the Corinthians in these last uh, final words in the 16th chapter. Then notice he is now moving along from speaking about Timothy, speaking about Apollos, and now he is writing about Stephanus and his household in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. Let me read these verses, beloved brothers and sisters. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is a first fruits of Achaia, and that they have ad addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, and for to Natus and 
Akeakus, he says, For that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. Here he's mentioning specifically Stephanos and his household. It really is beautiful. You notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the first chapter, we read in verse 16 these, these words. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus beside. I know not whether I baptize any other. Apparently, when Shaul Paul was in Corinth, he immersed Stephanus and his house. And he saw their commitment to the Lord, their devotedness to the Lord Jesus the Messiah. And he was so thankful for such servants of the Lord. And so apparently, the first to be one to the Messiah in Achaia was the household of Stephanus and his household. And he and his household were addicted themselves for the ministry of the saints. Imagine, they became, it's like addiction to something. You know, sadly, some are addicted to drugs, some are addicted to Alcohol, some are addicted to all sort of things that are no good for them. But here's a family, here's a man and his family and his household who addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They wanted so badly to host and to serve the people of God. Praise God for such a people I know from a personal experience of such a family that addicted themselves for the ministry of the saints. What a blessing they are for the people of God to host them, to care for them, to serve them, to minister to them. And they're doing it as unto the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. What a blessing it is. And what a wonderful testimony they are as they serve God's people. And what a, a blessing it is to the people of God and also to the Lord himself, who gave himself, who became a servant, and he gave himself. He was the Hebrew servant of Exodus chapter 21. He was the one that is called the servant of Jehovah, Eved Adonai in the prophecy of Isaiah, that God called him, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. And Yeshua became the supreme example as a servant. But praise God for various individuals that God have raised to desire to serve the Lord and to serve the people of the Lord. And so listen to what we read. In verse 15, we read of Estephanos and his house. It says, I beseech you, brethren, to know the house of Stephanus. In other words, to know him, to recognize him, to acknowledge him. And apparently he was the first to be one to Christ, to the Messiah in Achaia. And secondly, we read in verse 15 that he and his family have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. We read in verse 15b, he is the first fruit of Achaia. And then that they, notice, 
have addicted themselves for the ministry of the saints. They serve God's people, and by doing so, they serve the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Then you notice what Paul, Shaul, continued to say about Stephanus and his family, that the believers at Corinth need to recognize such a man and such a godly behavior that they are to submit to such a godly individual. So in verse 16, Paul is mentioning to the Corinthian, and ye submit yourself unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. In other words, to submit. Submit to such a godly individuals because they are serving the Lord, they are serving God's people, they are godly example, and therefore they are called to submit to Stephanus and such as like Stephanus. There is a verse in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 which says, Obey them that have a rule over you, and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So the author who wrote to the Hebrew believers also encouraged them to submit to the godly that are in the midst of the assembly that serve the Lord and serve the people of the Lord. That's such a commendation, beloved brothers and sisters, what an amazing commendation to hear about Stephanus. In Titus, we read also, beloved brothers and sisters, concerning submissiveness, to submit. It's something that is very unusual for us. We always have this resisting will. We don't want to submit. Even in a husband and wife relationship, we read in Ephesians 5, why be subject to your own husband? And then it's also said to submit to one another in the Lord. Titus was told in chapter 3 and verse 1, Put them in mind to be subject, to submit to principalities and to powers and to obey magistrates, to be ready in every good work. In other words, to submit to the authority that be as well. That is the call for the people of God to do, beloved brothers and sisters. So, we did read of the fact that Paul is showing that Stephanus and his household were the first to be one to the Messiah in the province of Achaia. Secondly, they were addicting themselves to the ministry of the saints. Thirdly, the believers at Corinth were encouraged to submit to such a godly Example, and it's always for their own benefit. Then, fourthly, we learn that Stephanus refreshed Paul in verse 17. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and for Tunatus and Akakus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplies. In other words, they came to Shaul Paul, they supplied to the needs of the apostle Paul, but notice what he said about Stephanus and those that come with him, that they have refreshed my spirit. Beloved brothers and sisters, 
How needful is refreshment, the refreshing of the spirit of the people of God. Imagine Paul was entirely continue on to serve the Lord, serve the people of God, minister, and how much he needed such an encouragement from others such as Stephanus and his family and such as Timothy uh, to godly brethren that were willing to serve and they refreshed my spirit, Paul said, and he continued, and yours as well in verse 18. Imagine, beloved brothers and sisters, how much need we have for such a man, such a woman, such a family, such a individuals that want to serve the Lord. They refresh the spirit of Paul. They refresh the spirit of the assembly, the believers. That is what is needful so much among the people of God, to refresh the saints, to refresh the people of God. And in ministry, this is what we are called to do, is to refresh the spirit and the soul of the believers who are oftentimes getting discouraged and disappointed and how important it is to refresh the spirits of the saints. And so again, I'm reading verse 17 and 18. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and for to Natus and Achaeacus, for that which was lacking on your part have they supplied. They came to provide for us what was lacking, that you would have liked to it, bring it for us. They brought it for us on your behalf, for they have refreshed both my spirit, and he continued to say, and yours, therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Boy, how, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, how much it is so needful for us to be refreshed. And may God raise more brothers and sisters that will refresh the heart of the people of God. We could say that Stephanus and that Timothy were exactly the kind of men that God have raised among the people of Israel in the days of old, of which he said in Exodus chapter 35 concerning these people, Every wise-hearted among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. In other words, build the tabernacle, build the house of the Lord, build the people of God, refresh the hearts of the saints, even refresh the heart of God as the behavior of such a men and women believers, how they say they satisfy the heart of the Lord in the way that they behave. What a joy they give to our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So what an amazing lesson we learn from Timothy, who worked the work of the Lord, from Apollos, who Paul desired to send to the Corinthians, and he's the one that they wanted him to come and uh, he delayed his coming, but yet he was the one that he was encouraging them to watch, to stand fast, to not to be children, to, and to be strong in the Lord. And for Stephanus and his household, who were addicting themselves for the work of the ministry and for the ministry of the saints, the believers 
in the Lord Yeshua Jesus the Messiah. And Paul does not stop here, because in verses 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is now mentioning Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife who work together to serve the Lord. It had been said that their names are mentioned quite a few times in the Brit HaChadashah in the New Covenant, and their name mentioned so many times as Aquila and Priscilla, Aquila and Priscilla, and they were serving the Lord as well. In Acts chapter 18, we do read, in the beginning of the chapter, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. You see that? Here he comes to Corinth, and what, what did he find there? He found a certain Jew by the name of Aquila, born in Pontius, Italy, and he lately came from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So, the husband is Aquila, his wife is Priscilla, and then they were apparently, came to Corinth, Jewish a couple, that they were believers in Yeshua, and apparently when Claudius have commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, well, all the Jews, he didn't care whether they were Jewish people who didn't yet believe in the Messiah, Jesus, or Jews who did believe in the Messiah. Well, Quill and Priscilla was chasing from Rome as well. They came to Corinth, and what's happening? Because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and they came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrote by their occupation, they were tent makers. So here is a tent making couple who came to Corinth and they were believers and they were ministering to the saints. What a testimony we find out about Aquila and Priscilla. Great testimony we find about them. And so we read about them here in First Corinthians 16. And in these verses that we are reading here before us, beloved brothers and sisters, with verse 19. In fact, in the earlier verses of the 16th chapter, we find out how the instruction was given concerning the support, uh, the gift for the saints in Jerusalem. And then we find out how the Apostle Paul gave instruction about stewardship and what an example Aquila and Priscilla were. They were the ones that came to Corinth and they were ministering to the saints in Corinth. And notice what Paul says about them. He's saying about them as a husband and wife. Notice he's mentioning this in verse 19. The churches of Asia. Salute you, Aquila and Priscilla, salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So apparently they use their house to be a local assembly of, of the believers. And they are now saluting the believers at Corinth. And as they were saluting them, they were saluting them along with all the other believers that were gathering together in their house where the Apostle Paul was. There's a verse in Romans chapter 16 that says this, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, here's the reverse, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Apparently they were helpers of the Apostle Paul, and so they were serving the Lord together with the Apostle Paul also in Corinth. And when Paul wrote to the Romans, he is 
uh, saying to greet uh, Priscilla and Aquila because they were helpers of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, with the Apostle Paul. What a commendation to be a helpers to the Apostle Paul and to the service of the Lord, to the saints of God. And therefore he said to them now in verse 20, All the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with a holy kiss. It's a very interesting expression that is mentioned quite a few times in the New Covenant. That holy kiss is mentioned a few times and it simply means the kiss of affection. Holy means set apart, and kiss is a kiss of affection. And that is mentioned a few times in the end of various epistles that are found in the Word of God. In Romans 16, Paul mentioned to the Romans, Salute one another with an holy kiss. That's the churches of Christ salute you. The churches of the Messiah salute you. So you notice that expression, holy kiss. A kiss of affection and love for the brethren. And Paul is using this expression as an expression of love among the believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah. In the second epistle of Corinthians, chapter 13, and there at the end of the chapter, verse 12, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter and he says, Greet one another with an holy kiss. Again, the holy kiss is a kiss of setting apart of love and affection towards the believers. And that is mentioned a few times, beloved brothers and sisters, in the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers. This is a very encouraging closing of a letter in in 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 26, he says, Paul to the Thessalonians, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. First uh, Thessalonians 5, and verse 26. So this expression of an holy kiss is mentioned in a few of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to the Romans, to the Thessalonians, and that simply means an expression of affection towards the believers. After all, we be brethren, we have to have love and concern for one another, and a holy kiss speaks of affection and love towards the believers of the assembly. Now, in conclusion, beloved brothers and sisters, as we conclude First Corinthians, uh, and specifically the final chapter, chapter 16, in verses 21 to 24, the Apostle Paul closed this letter with the closing remarks. He's mentioning a few things, in his closing remarks. In verse 21, he's saying to the Corinthians that he wrote this letter with his very own hands. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hands. Apparently at time, because of his eyesight, he needed help from others. But this letter he wrote with his own hands, beloved brothers and sisters, and he's mentioning these to the believers at Corinth. Secondly, in verse 22, he used the word anathema of those that do not love the Lord. The word anathema, it's a curse, and it is, in Hebrew, it is called cherem. Cherem, uh, it's, uh, anathema is, is really a, a strong 
a word. He said, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Let him be cherem. Cherem. And, and you notice these brothers and sisters, this anathema is an expression that speaks of those that oppose the Lord and they will ultimately be accursed by God, sadly. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, Wherefore I give unto you to understand that no man speak by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. No one who is led by the Holy Spirit of God can ever call Yeshua cherem, accursed, anathema. And that no man can say that Yeshua is Lord but by the Holy Spirit of God. The only one that can say that the Lord Jesus is Lord, that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord, because the Spirit of God revealed it unto him or unto her. But no one can ever call Yeshua accursed, anathema, cherem, and be led by the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God will only lead a person to call Yeshua the blessed Messiah, the blessed Son of God. And therefore, it is a very strong word that is mentioned here in the, the word anathema. And let him be accursed. If anyone do not love the Lord, eventually he or she will be accursed simply because they will die in their sins because of the rejection of the offer of salvation through the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Now notice another thing that we read in Romans chapter 9, how the Apostle Paul, who loved his brethren, the Jewish people, and he was praying, and he was saying to the Roman believers in Romans 9, verses 1, 2, and 3, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, anathema, cherem, from the Messiah, from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. In other words, he was willing to suffer loss for his brethren, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, according to the flesh. And Paul loved his own brethren, and he was willing to be accursed. Now, of course, he would not be because he is a believer. He belonged to the Lord, to Yeshua. His sins are forgiven. But for those who reject the Messiah, they will be ultimately judged, and they will be accursed. That's why he says, If any man or any person love not the Lord Jesus Christ, love not the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, let him be anathema. In other words, if you don't, if one does not love the Lord, why? Why let him be anathema? Because when one does not love the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who is the promised Redeemer, who is the Savior of the world, who gave himself for one sin and sins, well, what is left? One who dies without sins forgiven will be accursed and judged for time and for eternity, refusing the offer of salvation that came through Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. And that's why Paul is so strong by saying what he's saying here, beloved brothers and sisters. This is such a strong word that Apostle Paul is mentioning here in this verse 22. And so Paul does not stop there, but in the end of verse 22 he says, Maranatha, Maranatha. And Maranatha, it's simply an Aramaic word, Maranatha. And Maranatha is a Greek word that simply means our Lord 
come. May our Lord come. That expression, Maranatha, is a beautiful expression that is wishing for the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, to come and to take his rightful place here in this world, take his people to be with him in glory. What a wonderful word. Let the Lord come in it. Remind us of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. He which testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Yeshua. In other words, Paul is concluding with the word Maranatha, Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, come. Come to take your place here in this world. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul concludes this whole 16th chapter in verse 23 and 24 and the whole book of 1 Corinthians by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he's saying the grace of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach be with you and my love be with you all in Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul loved the believers at Corinth even though he was strong with them and he was very much critical, you might say, but the critical message to the a Corinthian was done for them out of love from his heart. There is a verse that is written in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 where King Solomon wrote to the people of Israel saying, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. And even though he seems to kind of wound them, give them strong words to seemingly as if he wounding them and hurting them, but they were faithful wounds, faithful words that ultimately were for their blessing. But he says, as Solomon said, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What an amazing, amazing a letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He loved them. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus, in the Mashiach Yeshua. And he closed the epistle with the word, Amen. And we can say, beloved brothers and sisters, as we conclude the study of the whole letter, 1 Corinthians chapter, from chapter 1 to chapter 16, we can say, Amen with this letter together because this letter is written not only for the Corinthian but for you and I today. May the Lord help us to appreciate what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian and may we also learn to be faithful and also to be the kind of a steward that is using opportunities to serve the Lord's people because the Lord's people need encouragement every day, as you and I need this encouragement as well. My love be with you all, in Christ Jesus, in Messiah Yeshua. Amen. The Apostle Paul closed this 
letter, the first letter to the Corinthians. Well, God bless you, my dear friend. We thank the Lord for His goodness, and we thank the Lord for His provision and enablement to study together the Word of God. And so, until the next time, God bless you. Shalom, shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.